What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Talking the big, big news that dropped on Sunday about Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. And we're also going to talk about the impact of Olu Fashnu staying at Penn State. It's big, big news for both these programs. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave a review, please. I'm begging you. Well, maybe not begging. Yeah, I'm begging you. <laughs> Leave a review. Send me an email. Uh, help help uh, keep making the podcast something that people want to share and uh, get access to. We'd love to continue to get our name out there, get this thing out there uh, for good, con- hopefully, hopefully good content uh, and just an entertaining listen. So make sure you get this out here. Leave a review. Share it on Twitter. Share it wherever you uh are on social media, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com, Big Ten Football Talk t- on Twitter and Instagram. Let me start with, I think, the big news on Sunday, which is the honestly kind of surprising news that Luke Fickle is named the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. And before I get there, one other piece of news I do want to kind of dive into a little bit more is is Matt Rule. I talked about Matt Rule a little bit uh, in the post-game pod for Iowa-Nebraska, but I'll talk about Matt Rule a bit as well. I want to talk first, though, about Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle, I believe, was being looked at last year by teams like USC, by Notre Dame, and wasn't interested. And now... All of a sudden, he is now in the Big Ten going to really the the predominant team in the West. I know they haven't been to the Big Ten championship game in the past two years, three years, sorry. But like if you look at the at the West ever since the divisions kind of realigned, you know, Wisconsin was in the Big Ten championship game 2014, 2016, 2017, 2019. They've been in the Big Ten championship game more than any other West program since the divisions realigned. And so Wisconsin has been a prime force, a lot of that under Paul Christ, who obviously was fired earlier this season. It's it's an interesting hire. It's I you know, I think on paper on paper the hire looks great. Right? Because Luke Fickle was probably the the guy that's been most in demand. He's certainly one of the two guys that Ohio State fans were saying fire Ryan Day for this past weekend, which I don't think is a good idea. As as much as I roasted Ryan Day on the last podcast, we can't you can't fire him. Like it's just not there there are concerns and there there are yellow flags, but you can't fire him after you know, after four years and going 45 and five with two playoff appearances. Just can't. You just can't. 
Um, but Luke Fickle's been the hot name. Like that's like that's the big deal. And so he goes to Wisconsin. I think I think from a culture standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. He's a hard-nosed guy. He's a def- you know, no nonsense, defensive, old school, blue collar, you know, all those things that you think of when you think of Wisconsin. And so it in a lot of ways on paper if you just keep have it in isolation with Luke Fickle and Wisconsin, you think this is a slam dunk hire. It's not. Because it's not an isolation. Why? What, what were some of the reasons why Paul Christ took less of a buyout and allowed Wisconsin to, to let him walk? Why did they do that? Was it just because they were uh, two and three with losses to Ohio State, Washington State, and Illinois? Was that the only reason? No. There was another reason, too. They wanted to give Jim Leonard a shot. They didn't want to lose him. And so they get him five games in, and they were inconsistent, right? Four and three in the last seven games. There were some games that you're like, wow, Wisconsin might be back. And then there are other there were other games where you're like, I can't believe that you lost. Like they lost to Michigan State. You know, they lost to Minnesota, which Minnesota was a decent team this year. But, you know, they lost that game. They lost to Iowa. It faded down the stretch. So it was in a lot of ways. And, you know, and he's put in a, in a tough position, right? Halfway through the season, he's taking over. He's never been a head coach before. Not a lot of momentum. And so you're in a hard position. It's it's a hard audition, right? It's it's a it's a very hard audition. And they their roster was not what it had been. There was a lot of youth on that roster. So in some ways, you kind of have an incomplete with with Jim Leonard at this point. But what's I think what is very telling has been some of the reaction of the Wisconsin players and alumni. And so the news of Fickle bleeding out and you have a bunch of Wisconsin players demanding that Jim Leonard not not go. And that if he goes, it is the biggest mistake in a long time at Wisconsin. There's rumors of Braylon Allen transferring out. We've already seen a commitment flip to Notre Dame. And you, you see all this smoke, and, and I'm just thinking, what, what is Wisconsin doing? And in some ways, again, if if you think Fickle is the guy, then you know you go all out to get him. But for a program that fired its head coach to secure Jim Leonard, to seemingly secure Jim Leonard seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, 
to then just kind of cut bait. And, and listen, I think that the odds of Jim Leonard staying as the defensive coordinator are are slim and probably none. It, it, it'd be different under different circumstances, right? You know, Luke, Luke Fickle was an interim for a whole year, and he stayed as a defensive coordinator for Ohio State. But that was very different. That was a very different situation. They, you know, Jim Tressel had been let go unceremoniously. There was turmoil. I mean, it was, and it was just very clear that Fickle wasn't ready. And this was a program that was used to winning national championships and Big Ten titles every year. This is a little different, right? Because Wisconsin had been fading a bit, you know, but they... They hadn't been a Big Ten. They, they'd been on, been on the cusp of a division title, but they they hadn't been contending for Big Ten championships for a, for a few years. And in a lot of ways, it there was a lot of hope around the program that Jim Leonard was the guy. So I I I don't know how to grade the hire because on one hand. If there's anybody that I would want, especially at a program like Wisconsin, like an Iowa, like a Minnesota, it's it's Jim or it's uh, Luke Fickle, right? Like he made, you know, he he made Cincinnati based on toughness, sound fundamentals, strong defense, and it's like that's Wisconsin's DNA. So in some ways, it makes a ton of sense. But I, I I just wonder if they got a little greedy and they they lost an opportunity to really build with the guy that they had tagged for for several years maybe as their as their guy. So may, maybe I'm wrong about that. I will say it, the the other thing that surprised me was that you know Wisconsin is. It's a good program, and for those of you who are Badger fans, don't take this the wrong way. Wisconsin's a good program, but they're they're about to get crowded out even more with USC and UCLA coming into the conference. And so Wisconsin isn't a top three, top four program nationally right now in the Big Ten. It's it's probably like a top seven, top eight, um, especially with their lack of success this year. I think Fickle can do better, but it, it 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 can can make them better. But it does make sense that he would leave now because Cincinnati is about to go to the Big Twelve. And while I think the Big Twelve isn't a great conference, especially with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, but you still have to deal with the Texas recruiting. You still have to deal with teams like Baylor and TCU who have had several years to really build up their rosters. Good coaches. Really good coaches, Sonny Dykes at, at TCU and Dave Aranda at Baylor are studs in the coaching p- profession right now. Like, they're great. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy is no joke at Oklahoma State. So th- there's there's a lot of programs in the Big 12 that I think are, that can be top 15, top 20 caliber teams week in and week out. That's not like the AAC, which is a decent conference in its own right. It's certainly the best out of the group of five, but it's a it's a different animal for Cincinnati. And so 
I think he's getting out at the right time. I just don't know if this is the right program to jump to at this point. And it's, it has, again, it's, it's nothing to do with Wisconsin uh, itself. Like on paper, I think it makes a ton of sense. I just, I, I think the timing just doesn't make sense. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I really love Luke Fickle. I hope he does well. It would be nice to see Wisconsin rise back up to where they were just a few years ago, which was, you know, a perennial top 10, top 15 team and a real threat to teams like Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. Uh, because they were. You know, in 2019, when they had uh, Jonathan Taylor, they took Ohio State to the wire for three quarters uh, in the Big Ten Championship game. And quite honestly, that that Ohio State team was maybe the best Ohio State team I've ever seen in 2019. And... They they took them to the limit for, for two and a half, three quarters. And, like, they can be a threat and a good threat. So let's go to a coaching hire that I like a little bit more in terms of fit and timing. I talked about it again a little bit. It was, it was Matt Rule being hired by Nebraska. There, there's a lot of smoke about this. Um, or, and, and a lot of apprehension, you know, because Matt Rule, as great as he was, you know, he, in college, obviously not in in pros, but in college, he was very good, right? And at Baylor, uh, he had, you know, he took a really bad team that had sanctions. And in year two, they went seven and six, won a bowl game. In year three, they went 11 and three. And they lost the Sugar Bowl, but they made a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, to go to from one win to 11 wins in two years in a conference with Oklahoma and Texas in it, I mean, it's, it's just really, really, really good. And they took Oklahoma to the limit uh, in the Big 12 championship game. They took on a, a really good Georgia team and only lost by 12. So, I mean, they were competitive in their losses. And their, their only other loss was to tech to Oklahoma by three points. And so they were really, really good under Matt Rule in year three. Now the criticism is that well he didn't beat any top 25 teams. And again, that, that's part of the struggle with the Big 12 is that they didn't have a lot of elite competition they had mediocre competition. And so that that is I don't know if it's a legit criticism, but it is it is a fact. Here's my counterpoint. There's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that aren't going to be ranked that Nebraska was losing to and losing to often. And so Baylor feels like a good comparison to me in terms of where Nebraska at least was or is currently, right? Like when Matt Rule took over Baylor, they they were 7 and 6, but they had to deal with all the aftermath, right? Had to deal with all the aftermath of everything that happened with our Bryles. So 
that, you know, he was dealing with decommitments. He was dealing with like a mass exodus. So in a lot of ways, he was taking over something worse. And that was true when he was taking over Temple as well. I mean, Temple is a perennial, perennially terrible program. So Matt Rule twice has taken over really bad situations and has turned them around. He's turned them around quick. So Temple, I mean, started 2-10. and 10. The year before, in 2012, he's 4-7. and seven. He gets to Temple, and then by 2015, sorry, 2016, he makes it to, or he, he's make, making 10 win seasons. He gets to bowl games. He's ranked in the AP poll. I mean, it's just, that's in, just incredibly good. And again, he, the AAC, it's not a great conference, but like, it's not a bad conference. And like, he, he took Penn State to the wire. They only lost by seven. Took Memphis uh, to the wire. Memphis was a decent team that year. Beat South Florida, who, by the way, was ranked 19th in the country by the end of the season. And they won the conference championship there. So, I mean, again, please don't hear me saying Nebraska's Temple. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying Nebraska's Baylor because Baylor, while they've had recent success, has been historically not very good. Here's my point. This is a very similar situation where you have had years of turmoil at a program and you need somebody to just build the foundation back up. That's what Matt Rule does well, right? And you have to remember, everybody's looking at Carolina and what he did at Carolina. 11 and 27 got fired. The pros are so different. Like, you cannot look at the pros and think, well, he's terrible. You know who else did not do great in the pros? Nick Saban. You know who else didn't do well in the pros? Steve Spurrier, right? Like, Chip Kelly did not do well in the pros. But they're, they they can coach college. They're, it, it, they're different games. They're, you know, that you have different things, that you, different levers, levers you have to pull. So I, I think there is a lot that Matt Rule does well that will be very good for the Cornhuskers. And, and part of it is, and I... I'm speaking maybe to some Nebraska fans. I think a lot of Nebraska fans are are very rational about this and understand where they are right now as a program. They understand, yeah, we're not going to get back to national prominence overnight. We may not ever get back to national prominence the way we were in the 90s and in the in the 70s and like that 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 time because of the way that demographics have shifted. That may never happen again. I think others, though, 
they're like, you know, they're the crowd that says, if they hire Urban Mar- My- Meyer, they're going to be in the Big Ten Championship game tomorrow. No. Like, that's just not where you are. Between demographics, between the amount of years that your program has eroded. Like that, that was honestly the biggest problem with Frost staying as long as he did. And the biggest problem with uh, Mike Riley is, I mean, they got rid of Mike Riley after year three. But I mean, the, just the, the foundation kind of kept wearing away. And that really, really struck, like that, it, it's very similar, you know, to Michigan in a lot of ways. Like Michigan, the reason why Jim Harbaugh is such a great coach is because he was starting from ground zero and had to build it all the way back up. Now he, ground zero for Michigan was a lot less than ground zero at, or it was a lot more than ground zero at Nebraska. Because Michigan had... You know, they still have inroads to Ohio. They still have inroads to Pennsylvania. They have more of a national presence. Nebraska, I mean, the, the, Nebraska made the right money move to move, to get to the Big Ten. But it eliminates their big recruiting pipeline to Texas. And so you've got to establish that. And that takes time. And it takes relationships. And so Matt Rule has got to work on that. And even with the transfer portal, I know the transfer portal changes the game and NIL changes the game. You know who it changes the game the most for? The rich who get richer. And Nebraska ain't rich right now. Like, they're just not. And so this is a long-term rebuild. And for people who don't want to hear that, you need to understand it's not just because... You know, it's not just because I say so. It's because you're in the second best conference in the country. And you've got to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, soon USC and UCLA. you got to deal with competent coaches in Kirk Ferentz and P.J. Fleck. Again, I'm not the biggest fans of them, but they're competent. Like Pat Fitzgerald, Brett Bielema. I mean, you look at the Big Ten. I've said this for years. The the coaches, as much as I knock them, like the coaching in this league is really, really good. And so even your have-nots in the league have years where they can come up and beat you. And so this is not a this is not gonna be a quick turnaround like Baylor, because the Big 12, there are years where the Big 12 stinks, right? And there were years in, you know, the AAC is not the same. You know, it's not just coaching. It's, it's lack of talent. The Big Ten has three top ten teams right now. And they're going to get a, f- a fourth in USC. And you've got a lot of other programs that can be that can be top 25 teams any given year. And so to compete with that, you've, you've got to build a foundation. That, and I think Matt Rule is the right guy to do it. So I think you got to give Matt Rule at least four years. Give him full recruiting classes. If he's not, if he's not getting to a bowl game by year two, then I think, I think you, you raise a yellow flag, obviously. But I think I, I, my prediction is that I think he makes a bowl game next year. 
Like, I think in year one, bowl game is absolutely attainable. I think in year two, you know, seven or eight wins. I, I think by year four, though, the thing you're you're looking for is that he is he's either in a Big Ten championship game or he is competing for a Big Ten championship game but falls short. But he's like they're they're in the picture and they're relevant. And that's that's really what you want from Nebraska. That was even Bo Pelini's issue, is that they weren't relevant in the conference. So even when they made their lone Big Ten championship game, they got blown out. They got blown out the door, got the doors blown off. And they they were blown out by an eight and uh eight and four team in Wisconsin that backed their way into the Big Ten title game over Ohio State and Penn State, who were both uh, ineligible to play in that game. And they got destroyed. What you want to see from Nebraska is that they that they are relevant to the conference championship picture. That's the goal. You know, are they relevant in that way in four years? I think they can be. Uh, I... That's, I, that's not me saying they'll win the Big Ten. It's not saying that they'll even get to the Big Ten championship game. But can they be relevant in four years? So, and that's, I think that's the trajectory you're looking for. Let me, let me end uh, the, the podcast by saying this. And I'm going to move to, I think, a very surprise uh, announcement by Olufashnu. He is staying. Olufashinu is returning to Penn State. He is returning to anchor the best offensive line I've seen in the entire James Franklin era. Which isn't saying much, because their offensive line has stunk over the past several years. But this has been an improved line. And he comes back... Uh, with you know guys like Drew Shelton who took over for him the last four games as he's been hurt, uh, Sal Wormley at right guard he comes back. You've got uh, JB Nelson, uh, Jimmy Christ, Caden Wallace, Vega Ione. You know a lot of young guys. That's not all their line, but they're losing Scruggs. They're losing Efner, but. They've got a lot of guys coming back. And Tengwell is another one who's going who's gonna to come back. Um, I think he was out for the rest of the season. This is going to be a good line again for Penn State. And I, I think, obviously, I think Joey Porter Jr. is another one that everyone's looking for. I think he's going to go pro. Jair Brown is a senior. He's probably going to go pro. I think he has one more year, maybe because of COVID, but I would imagine he'll go. But you still got Keaton Ellis back. You got Johnny Dixon back. Uh, Daquan Hardy is back out of that secondary. Your linebackers are all coming back. Carter Abdul, Curtis Jacobs, you know Kobe King, the freshman, and Jonathan Sutherland. They're gonna they're gonna come back taking a, a bigger role. And then you've got those running backs, man. Lambert Smith, uh, Harrison Wall. Uh, sorry, that's the wide receiver. 
um, Katrin Allen, Nicholas Singleton, Kayvon Lee, Drew Allar going to anchor, you know, he's going to take the reins uh, as Sean Clifford leaves. Got some good tight ends. Parker Washington might be back next year, although I, I don't know. I think he's he's maybe rated as a, as a first-round wide receiver. But if he comes back, you've got a, a really good receiving core again. You've got a good running back core. Drew Allar has the highest ceiling, I think, of any quarterback in the Big Ten. That that's going to return, and here's here's my prediction. Uh, this is my my way too early prediction because remember at Ohio State, C.J. Stroud is gone. The top two teams in the East next year will be Michigan and Penn State. Penn State returns a lot of talent on defense. They return a lot of talent, young talent in the backfield. And now they're anchored by maybe the best tackle in the country. And this, I think this offensive line is going to keep getting better. They're going to get more experience under uh, Manny Diaz and his scheme in year two. Penn State, watch out for Penn State next year. They, I, they've got my attention and the fact that Olu Fashanu uh, is back. It's a big deal. It's a it's a major deal because if he can anchor that line and they can run effectively against uh, anybody in the Big Ten, they've got the talent and the they they've got the talent and the experience I think to make some noise in the Big Ten and maybe not just win the Big Ten but get to the playoff next year. So that's it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I will be back either probably on Thursday to talk about championship weekend. I'll definitely be talking about Michigan Purdue. I'll probably talk a little bit about about some of the other games as well, but make sure you stay tuned here. I'll be doing some, when the bowl games are announced, I will do a, I try to do a podcast for each of the bowl games, kind of previewing each one of those. So make sure you are dialed in, locked on. This has been the big 10 football talk podcast. Take care. God bless.